Oh, it's a pig! <laughs> Welcome to the Lake Erie Kayak Anglers Podcast, the podcast designed to make you a better angler. I'm Chuck Earls with LakeErieKayakFishing.com. Today we have Robert Sharkey joining us. 11 days ago, he had an incident where a rogue wave flipped his kayak over and put him in the frigid water. Uh, fortunately, he's here to share the story with us today. How you doing, Rob? You're right. Doing good. How you doing, Chuck? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks for coming on the show. Anytime. Um, so before we get into this incident, why don't you just give us a little bit of background on you? Um, maybe about your, your fishing passion, kayak fishing, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, yeah, no problem. Um, I'm pretty green at it. I've only been at it for since probably, oh, probably 2017, maybe a little bit earlier than that. And I was terrible at it. And it wasn't kayak fishing. I was fishing off the banks and, uh, I was doing the bobber worm, never catching nothing. And then believe it or not, my mom was the one who, uh, told me to put like a, a spinner or a storm lure on there and reel it. Don't, you know, give them something to chase. And right when I did that, that was at the same time that I think silver bass were running and I tagged a silver bass and I was like, oh. then I just got excited about that. And then my old man, after a couple, you know, a couple months after that, bought some little kayaks. And then I started doing a little bit of venturing around, not much fishing. And, uh, I was casting into some weeds around um, uh, Grozeal and landed my first muskie on a storm lure, you know, with probably six pound test. And that thing, it was, I got, it's a nice size one. It was probably, I don't know, a little over three foot. But I didn't even know what a muskie was at the time and brought nice. that in. And uh, right after that, I just wanted all the, I didn't, what's down there? What's the, river monsters that are down i was hooked after that then i got a little bit bigger kayak and a little bit bigger you know nothing to your what you guys use but if there's i'm slowly coming along you know but i love it i got a passion for it i you know it's just a passion of mine now any kayak that gets you on the water safely is a good kayak mm -hmm. you know oh, yeah. i started out of the the wilderness systems uh pungo 140 isn't really a fishing kayak it's a sit-in but it's 14 foot long um, with front and back bulkheads. So it was safe enough for Lake Erie. Uh, just not convenient to fish out of, you know, but eventually along the way, the more you fall in love, you know, the more, the more it evolves. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. you know, nobody should ever be ashamed of what kind of boat they're in. I love that. I, is that the one that had the tiger, the shark face on it? Yep. I love it. I, I remember you those posts and I just fell in love with that kayak. That thing's just the meanest looking thing, you know? Oh, yeah. I love that thing. It's still hanging in my garage, reminding me of where it all, you know, where where everything started. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My old, my, the one I caught my muskie is behind my garage. It's my son's now, my first muskie. And nice. he's, he lives in St. Clair and he hasn't even come down to pick it up yet. He's right off the water. But, you know, I don't know if he's going to share the same passion as I do. But he might once he gets out there, you know. Right. We will be back after the short break. Today's podcast brought to you by LakeErieKayakFishing.com. Come along with me and experience one of the best freshwater fisheries in the world 
while chasing monsters, kayak fishing Lake Erie. We now return to the show. Let's get into this day. Um, it was 11 days ago, so it wasn't that, that long ago, but it instantly had a huge impact on you. Um, oh, yeah. So I, I just want to kind of, we'll just start from the beginning. You know, you wake up in the morning, you're getting ready to go fishing. Um, what, what was your normal routine and what precautions did you take prior to going out on the water that day? Uh, going out, I mean, uh, my, I have tons of lights on my car because I go out pretty early. But uh, this time of year, I'll go out around like uh, sunrise. And I'm like 7.30, have a radio on me, light jacket, um, uh, air horn, just in case uh boat's cruising by, doesn't see me. And that's pretty much, and then layers. Then I layer. But I layer improperly, majorly improperly. And you know this, you know, from uh, my post in the past. But it was a beautiful day. Beautiful day. Calm. I mean, you couldn't ask for a more picturesque morning. What, what were the temperatures? Air temperature and water temperature. Water temperature was 37, according to my fish finder when I was out there. Air temperature around that time, I, I really couldn't tell you. I mean, I, I think I was pretty much overdressed for, for the air temperature. It might have been, I don't know, climbing on 40 at that time. Uh, yeah. It was Thanksgiving morning. I can't remember what the temperature was that day. You know, I tried to get in and out and make it home, you know, home for dinner. And I got right. home a little earlier than I thought I was going to get home, you know. But at least you made it home. Yeah, it was something else, man. It was, uh, like I said, it was a picture-perfect day. And, uh, I mean, there wasn't even a ripple in the water. And uh, you fished in the same spot I was at where it happened. And um, I was uh, trolling because the weeds were dying down, so I was able to put a rapala in the water and troll. And uh, I was just going back and forth, casting a... The, the banks eventually i might have caught something i don't know water chilling out getting a little harder to catch around here and um like i said in my post i seen a freighter coming up to livingston so i thought i did a lot of i did a lot of made a lot of mistakes in a matter of like five minutes not even five minutes you know i hurry up and turn my kayak around wanted to clean my gopro lens off so i took the cap off my uh my storage between my legs to get my Rag out, clean the lens. Um, started rowing northbound along the Livingston Wall. And it's a little peninsula. Right when I got to the end of the peninsula, I took one picture. And then re I was looking more at the freighter versus where I was at. And then uh, when the tail end of that freighter went by, that area I was in, I was it's a bad area even on a good day. But you can get out. You can go in and out all day long. You know, if there's no uh, boats going by. But there's but some pretty intense current coming coming through there, if I remember. Yeah, it bottlenecks everything. Yeah, yeah, it bottlenecks right in that one spot. You know, the whole river, the whole width of the river from the Canadian side to the American side just bottlenecks into the Livingston, which is probably, I don't know, 300 yards wide. And, uh, all I remember is uh, get feeling that you know I'm getting sucked in. Tried to turn myself out, and then a wave hit my back, and that's pretty high for it to hit my back, you know. And then I got it was a it was pretty much like a getting hit from the left, the right, you know. There was no getting out of it. And then it flipped me. 
then uh that's when major panic set in because uh i'm starting to shake a little bit every time i tell this story i start, I, I start to shake a little bit it's, but um it's only been 11 days so yeah you know um, take I, your time i noticed my my hat the only thing i really remember was my hat floating away and i was underwater and but it was it was to me it was like uh forever but it was probably just like a split second and then i looked up and i seen my kayak grabbed it was able to pull myself up and um at that moment i looked at the rear of the freighter and didn't re just realize just the size of these things you know looking up at it and then i i felt like i was in the ocean there was no there was no uh the water wasn't giving up and hit me from every direction. And uh, luckily, I was able to pull myself on top of my kayak and lay flat, which is upside down now. And um, my, uh, thank God my paddle was leashed because I would have just been floating down to Livingston. I was wherever the current would take me, that's where I'd be going. And um, the Livingston wall was probably. 30 yards to the um, to the west of me, which felt it probably took me just to do that 30 yards, probably a half an hour with the current, you know, and to get to that wall to put the kayak back over. And now I'm freezing. Like I said, I dressed in layers, which is, I mean, I had long johns on, sweats, winter pants, uh, rain gear, a sweater, jacket, hat. Uh, boots. Um, I don't even know what that stuff weighed wet. Um, I wish I, I should just take it all one day and just throw it in the tub, wet it all down and weigh it just for, just to see what I was actually carrying. Because my life jacket's only rated for my body weight with a swim trunks on. You know, it's just nothing. Right. That was, you know. Um, That's an important detail right there too. Yeah. You know, the, the amount of layers, once those things get saturated and add that extra weight, is mm -hmm. your PFD going to, or anybody's PFD going to actually keep your head above the water? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was my kayak that kept my head above the water more than my PFD did. And um, then I'd, uh, I kept my scupper plugs in before I went out because I did, uh, it was a call, like I said, flat water. So uh, nothing was draining. And it really doesn't drain until I start moving anyway. You know, then it starts pulling the water out. And uh, the cap, when I went to go and wipe the GoPro lens off, I didn't put the cap back on because I didn't have time. So when I flipped it back over, the kayak was full. Of, it was filled with water. I mean, it was gallons and gallons of water. In there. And that's when panic started setting in again because I was had to row up to Livingston. Um, and go make a a left. I don't know what that would be for you, starboard or whatever that is. And into that little current area again. And every big row I did wanted to flip me because the water in the kayak was whooshing. Right. And um, so I had to do a lot of little little tiny strokes, you know, just to keep the kayak from uh, teetering. And that took a little while to get around that corner too. Then I got around the corner. Um, got more into the bay, beached the kayak, uh, drained it, 
cleaned all the water out, stood it up, drained it out. Had no phone signal, so I uh, probably um, halfway across through the bay at Stony, I was able to uh, call my dad. Uh, my keys were in the river, couldn't get in my car, you know, and um, took me a while to warm up. I was, I was shaking in his car for probably a good 15 minutes before my hands calmed down. But it was sketchy. It was, um, I don't know, it was terrifying. And like I said, I was, I was complacency, you know. It, I was in, I had that mindset, it's not going to happen to me. You know, I've been out there in that water so many times in that area. And, and then I thought about, like, your post, um, and uh, you brought it up not very long ago about the three kayakers and the only two coming back recently in Lake Erie. Right. You know, and that guy has not been found yet. You know, not that I know of. I don't know if you've heard of him. Unfortunately, he's he's still out there. Yeah, and um, I don't know. It was a terrifying situation, which made me really rethink uh, my winter and early uh, early spring fishing. You know, and how I'm gonna go about it. Right. And then that's when I instantly, I called you that day. Yep. Because you know, that was the first thing I thought of was uh, you're majorly into the safe, you know, safety on the water and, you know, the precautions to take. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I remember getting that phone call and I was just so grateful that you were on the other line talking to me after hearing about that situation because. I mean that that water temperature can easily take your life without wearing a, a dry suit and the proper under layers and and most importantly the proper uh, fabric construction. You know you definitely don't want anything that has any kind of cotton in it because cotton as soon as it gets wet it just pulls your body uh, your body heat away. Okay. You know other fabrics like merino wool they get a little bit wet or a little bit damp, they're still going to have insulating properties and still keep you um, warm, you know, Mm -hmm. but of course with the dry suit outer layer, that's going to protect you from that water, you know, altogether. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Cause that was, uh, I don't know how much cotton I had on that day, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming every shirt I had on or piece of clothing was damn near cotton full hundred percent cotton, you know, but look what this this came in today. Oh, your dry suit. Yeah, nice. so that that's uh that's gonna be uh being tested very soon. Oh yeah. yeah. And uh I'm gonna try it on. Like I said, I did the large. We're about the same body size. And a uh, couple of things I gotta do with the kayak because I still want to get out there. You know, gotta replace some things now. Right. But like you said, and everybody said, you know, all the everything I lost is uh, replaceable. Right. Slowly do some shopping. You know. Yep. You know, at least you're here to continue fishing. Mm-hmm. And now with the dry suit, you know, you get out there, you test it, um, flip over the kayak, sink it, um, add a bilge pump, by the way. That way you could actually pump it out. I and, did, yeah. Uh, you know, just practice that. And the more time you spend in that water, that's why I, I'm always testing my dry suit. You know, at the end of the day, you want to think about it like this. It is life-saving gear 
you want to make sure that it's ready to save your life, you know, at any point. Mm -hmm. And you never know when maybe we get a little pinhole or we hook it or something like that. Now, next time you go in the water, um, accidentally, your dry suit's leaking in a certain spot. So, you know, just get out there, jump in that icy water, make sure your, your layers are prepared to keep you warm in that temperature. And, and also when you get out of the water, because you're going to want to, you want to relive that step of the journey back. You know, what if you were further away? Yeah. You know, you want to be able to make sure you can get back in your kayak um, quickly, you know, especially in current like that, because that current's going to take you, it could throw you into the rocks. It could, you know, take you to Canada. I mean, it can take you wherever it wants. So being able to react quickly and uh, get back in your kayak and, and get yourself back to safety is, uh, it's just something you want to kind of just um, don't practice to get it perfect practice so that you can't get it wrong. Right. Right. Yeah. There's a couple things like uh, I want to go over with you with uh, like the underlayers. I don't know the underlayers. Uh, you brought up uh pinholes and what to keep on you with the tape and the sealant, you know, things like that. Maybe you can touch base with me and uh, keep as I can keep that on my kayak, you know, at all times. You know, just yeah. For, I can send you some links to that gear, um, mm -hmm. but it's aqua seal and the UV. It has to be the UV. Uh, and I believe you have to carry a UV light too, um, just to okay. cure it. You can use the sun, but on a cloudy day, you know, you just want to grab your UV light and just hit it real quick. It's going to cure it and, and you'll have an instant seal. Um, and you can also, if it's a big tear or something like that, you can use, uh, I believe it's the tear aid type B and, uh, and patch, you know, a slice or anything like that. I've never had any issues with any kind of rips. Um, the only time a, uh, I had a pinhole was early on i had the suit for like three days um or three trips rather you know a couple of weeks and uh i got out of my kayak all excited because it was a great day of fishing and i walked past the kayak and one of the treble hooks caught my suit and went right through it yeah um i didn't know it at the time to carry you know tear aid and aqua seal and stuff like that i had it at home so i went home um, put a piece of tape on the outside and then I put the aqua seal on the inside of the suit and the regular stuff takes um, I think eight to ten hours to cure oh, I wow. usually give it like 24 hours just to be safe um, but then you pull the tape off and I mean unless you know where that hole is or was mm -hmm. you can't see it and it's yeah. it's never leaked since but yeah, that same thing can happen um, on the water you know you're out there you flip over you get a hook through your suit you get back in while you're right under layers um, like I said the right fabric is still going to keep you warm even if you get a little pinhole or you know you leave your relief zipper open a little bit on accident or something like that and you do get a little bit of water in your suit um, those underlayers are still going to keep you warm you know and as long as you get out of the water obviously patch that that hole real quick or most importantly get back to shore 
um, because you got water in your suit and there's a leak. Gotcha. But that's why we test, you know, yeah, every I like couple of weeks. That video that you just posted, how they also kept you buoyant, like your friend, how they trapped air. So it, that it, in its own is another, like, like a PFD in its own, you know, on top of the one you're wearing, you know, so. Right. And you don't have that extra weight from the clothing absorbing all that yeah. water. That moment, I mean, I like I, I try to play it back and play it back and just all the little things like I did that I just did completely wrong. I always thought, you know, God, I'm 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 being as safe as I can be in the water that I'm in. And uh it's never see now I was out a long time ago, I don't know if you know sugar iron. Yeah. And uh how about the belch pump bilge pump? I, is that you call it for the water? Yeah, the belch pump. Belch pump. I kept one from my old kayak one time because I was by that island. This and this was a sit-in, and uh, just out of nowhere, a southeast wind came and uh, water got inside the kayak. So I kept a bilge pump on me. But that day, uh, I had a sailboat actually follow me in because he said the waves were so high. I'd be there, I'd be gone because I was under the, you know, just the way the waves were going. And I bought a bilge pump and I put it on that kayak. And when I was out there flipping this one back over, I thought, why don't I not? I even thought that. Why is there not one on this kayak? Because while I was up against the Livingston wall, I could have pumped that out and had a much safer journey around that little peninsula point. And I wouldn't have been having that fear of flipping again and ended up back in that water. Because I was exhausted. Right. Like you brought up the... Um, the weight of my clothing to get my, when I flipped the kayak over and just to get my leg back on the kayak to start off, I'd use my arms to actually lift my leg because of one being exhausted and then one and then two, the weight of my, of my clothing. It was uh, not a good thing. Not a good thing at all. Eye opening. Yes. Very, very, uh, very eye opening. You know, I, you even the time that we went over there, you wore your dry suit, right? And that was um in April. You yeah, know? usually on Lake Erie, it's. I mean, it changes from year to year, but on average, it's like May fifteenth to like October fifteenth. You know, anytime after that, you know. The water temperature is going to be below 60 degrees and it 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 is going to be dangerous and and potentially deadly i didn't realize because i i did a little research on hypothermia after that and i didn't realize the you know how the water temperature and how fast it can kick in and kill you you know water that i've been in for the past seven years not taking any safety precaution could have took me out a long time ago you know and luckily hasn't but no more well, no more you know there was a day i didn't know any better also yeah you know when i first started i mean i i knew cold water was dangerous i didn't really understand how dangerous um yeah. so it can happen to any of us you know the important thing is to like you said don't get complacent mm -hmm. and when when there's a message out there you know just listen to it because there's good reason um, oh, yeah. people lose their lives all the time for you know stupid reasons unfortunately 
there's gear out there that that could have brought them back yeah um but you know that's why we do things like this podcast and and i make my my uh cold water swimming videos and i put that information out there just to reach as much people as i can you're um your 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 uh radio you keep on you too because my mine, mine uh, will has give weather alerts and will i be able to talk to other uh, fishermen or people on you know i keep i leave one with my dad but it's not like one to call the coast guard like you carry that's right. something that's something i need to upgrade to just for uh, my own safety for my own peace of mind you know well coast guard and a lot of times it's just nearby boats they're going to get you a lot faster than the coast guard um you know depending on where the coast guard is you might have a guy fishing a couple hundred yards away you know and most boaters most responsible boaters are monitoring uh the coast guard station channel 16 also so if you call out of distress um they're gonna hear it and hopefully they're close you know when you do call out of distress do you tell try to give some kind of location or is this something that is how do you do that well there's a couple different ways um the the radio that i use the standard horizon hx 890 has the gps uh coordinates on the face of it so i always keep it tethered to my pfd so if i bump it you know falling out or something like that my radio is not going to float away um so i can just look down and give them the the gps coordinates in my location uh worst case scenario if you don't have access to your gps coordinates they can actually um, triangulate your position by uh, having you count i think up to 10 and then back down from 10 and they they use all the different uh radio towers to try to figure out at least approximately where you are all right okay and then worst case scenario i carry a personal locator beacon which that sends a signal up to the uh, all the satellites, and there's a there's a central organization that monitors all that, and then they dispatch the signals to the you know the the proper authorities. And a lot of times it's more than one. You know, I had mine accidentally go off. I was showing a buddy, you know, explaining it, and apparently I set it off. Well, five minutes later, I got a call from the U.S. Coast Guard in Cleveland. I got a call from, uh, I believe, Fish and Wildlife uh, and, and a couple other organizations, including one in Florida, just trying to make sure that I was okay and, wow. and verify in my location and to make sure that I wasn't in danger. So, you know, worst case scenario, your radio doesn't work because it is a handheld radio. It just works off a line of sight. Um, the Coast Guard radio towers are very high. So they can pick up a signal from a long way. But again, it's just line of sight, you know, personal locator beacon. That's going to actually work with the satellites. So there's there's no way to get any interference with that. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. I brought up boots, too. Shoes. I mean, these, I don't know. I don't know if you can see these. These are, these are what I was wearing that day. Okay. 
They're just kind of rubber muck boots. Rubber muck boots, and but water just they just fill up with water, you know. Yeah. But if I'm just stepping in and out with your dry suit on, it's not like uh, I try to keep my foot this much of my calf, you know, my above water anyway. So it's getting in and out is be fine. Getting in and out of the kayak just don't flip no more. Right. You know, stop doing that. You know. And even if you do get a little bit of water in those boots or they fill up with water, you should still be able to get back in your kayak. Um, yeah. But like I said, you know, get out there wearing the gear that you're going to have mm -hmm. and maybe maybe your rod holders or crate or whatever, just so your kayak's kind of set up and flip it over and try to get back in. See, you know, how the boots are going to react. Um, sometimes if they don't fit real tight, they'll just slip off. Or they'll, mm -hmm. they'll start coming off, and now you're restricted trying to get back in your kayak. Um, you know, you just want to see how it how it works uh, for your yeah. body, for your kayak, for the conditions. That's uh, another thing I wanted to do is uh, add some kind of straps to the top of my something to grab because my uh, center of my kayak there's no there's really nothing to reach up and put your hand on to grab. Right. Maybe a rod holder on the other side you can grab or something like that, but nothing to really assist you to getting back up there. So I was thinking about adding those to the midsection of the kayak. Maybe something on a, the wall. You have a handle right there on the side? No, no handles on the side. No handle. Nothing. Just on the nose, you know, the nose and the tail of the kayak. Yeah. I need something for, for that. Like you said, just practice figure out where I want to put them, you know, set right. something up for where, like maybe me and you can get together, you know, flip a couple of yaks over and, you know, and the water gets a little bit more, it's cold now, but, you know. Don't tempt me with a good time. Yeah, yeah you said it's more, uh, it could be more addictive than kayaking, you know. Oh, yeah. Jumping in the water with that, uh, I don't know about that, because uh, your head's still going under that water. A little bit. Yeah, that's um, a little bit. You, you went all the way. I think your yeah. buddy did too, didn't you? Yeah, that's, uh, that's cold. And that was, I don't even know what time of year that you did. You guys did that. That was actually the day after Christmas. I think uh, 2020 was the the test with, with the water that was half frozen. Yeah, it was lush. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I got some, there were some good spots around here I could test it too, but I definitely want to get down there and run you know go through with you too then you can actually um, give me some more tips oh yeah you know, you know i'm always here answer mm -hmm. questions and yeah. uh keep everybody safe yeah you guys are yep yes you are see now where i where i go pedal drive is uh would be pretty hard for me because like like right now like when i go over to stony that island you were at yeah uh, Getting into that bay, you gotta watch rocks big time. The water gets I mean, there's areas where I gotta get out and walk the kayak because the water's so low in that bay till you get into the and then the weeds in some of the areas. So I'd really like to upgrade to what you guys use. Well you can you can use a pedal drive system, you just raise your drive to go through those spots, yeah. you know, or pull it up and just paddle through the the shallow stuff. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. And then the weight of your guys. I don't know what the weight of your guys, because mine's 77 pounds, not loaded. What is yours not loaded? 
Um, the 120 is probably a little bit heavier than that. But, heavier. you know, you strap it on a cart, you can you can get it done pretty quick, pretty yeah, easily. Think about maybe next season. Yeah. You know, just get bigger and bigger and bigger before you almost get very, you know, you get to the point where you just might as well be in a boat, you know. But I don't well, want to go. I don't want to go that road at all. Yeah. It's, you know, fishing out of a boat, it's like fishing off of a floating dock. What we do, it's it's totally different. It's different yeah. experience, different yeah. enjoyment. And and most importantly, we don't have to bust out another thousand every weekend. No, no. Um, yeah, we don't need a we don't need a place to launch, launch anywhere. It's keeping your car drive around and you get near the water, you can just throw it in and go. Right. Time of day. And this yeah. area gets you because yeah, I know you like Lake Erie, and I and uh, I don't know if you do many rivers around your area, you know. But all just the little creeks I like, the little pond jumping. But you know, there's some ponds around here that there's one pond I like to take you to that's on the southern south end of Groseal that is uh, summertime. It's loaded with uh, uh, carp bowfin garpike and snapping turtle they're everywhere and it's they're just and i don't know if you ever caught a bowfin before um uh, i have never caught a bowfin they are something else because they you 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 shrimp to catch them but they when they bite they don't they don't hit like a walleye or a bass or something they don't they just slowly take your line you know, until you set it, you know, and they'll just swim away with it in their mouth, you know, and, but they're, they're something different. I just like all the strange and unusual things that are in our waters and pulling them right. up and see, you know, but it's a cool pond though. You would definitely dig it. Sounds like a good time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I still got to get out there and do like one of your you know, your charters and on the on Lake Erie with the walleye and stuff like that. And I brought you actually up to my boss because he, uh, he takes his grandson out on charters quite often. And I said, you know, for on boats, so, though, you know, so it's like I got a friend that, you know, his grandson, I think he's like, I don't know, 13, 14, loves fishing. Okay. I definitely, I guarantee you, you would love what you do. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get my old man out there with you too. You know. Yeah. Get him yeah, we can do that. Yeah, but we'll definitely do something this summer, most definitely. I'll definitely get out your way. Even out my way, I need to get out your way. And I think I've said that a couple times, and it's never made it down. Well, you could come down soon. We could test the dry suit. Well, we're, that's that's happening. Practice reentry. Yeah, that's not that's that's happening. That's a hundred percent happening. You know, uh, a weekend, whenever you have uh, some time, just let me know. And uh, I'll work around your schedule because you're pretty busy on the weekends. And uh, I'll shoot on down there and jump in the water and hopefully stay dry. Oh, yeah. And warm. Right. Ish. Warm <laughs> as you can possibly be. But you just like I said, send me a, or text me, email, what, whatever. Just the under, what I, underwear, what I wear underneath, you know. The underlayers? Yeah, yeah, I have a video on my YouTube channel I'll send over to you. And I'll also link that in the uh, description of the podcast uh, for anybody else that wants to check it out, as well as um, all my other cold water resources and the link to 
the National Center for Cold Water Safety, which is your number one source for real facts on the dangers of cold water and, and everything pertaining to it. Um, and that's at coldwatersafety.org. Gotcha. Definitely check that out. Definitely. Awesome. Robert, I really yep. appreciate you coming on the show today. Thanks for taking the time to share your story. It's got to be hard. It's still fresh in your head, only 11 days away. Um, you know, a lot of people, they, they struggle with it for, you know, a while, six months, eight months. I mean, being in that position where you honestly feel like you, you know, your life is in danger. That, that kind of puts everything in perspective. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Just uh, got to be safe out, safer, safe out there, you know. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That Take it seriously, you know. It's no joke. Yeah. You know, it's like I will always say, uh, fishing is life, but safety comes first. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. 100%. All right, brother. Amen. I'll talk to All you right. later. Talk to you later. See you later, bud. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. We will see you on the next episode. And remember, for me, fishing is life.